We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 672 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, October 6th, 2023. You know, it was four years ago tomorrow, October 7th, that we had the last firing of a head coach for the NFL team of Washington, D.C. It was on October 7th, 2019, that the Redskins fired Jay Gruden as their head coach. And then it was later that day that the then team president, Bruce Allen, famously said that the culture is actually damn good. You know, the culture is actually damn good. Yes, Brucifer, thank you. The culture is actually damn good. Here we are, four years later, October 2023. So much has changed. Uh, for the franchise over these last four years, of course. But boy, (laughs) did Thursday night feel way too familiar. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. What a disaster. A 40-20 commander's loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football. A pathetic performance, especially on defense. A performance that wipes out whatever good vibes there had been off the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles this past Sunday afternoon. A performance that drops the Commanders in the 2023 regular season to 2-3. and three. The team has gone from 2-0 and oh to 2-3. and three. And the Bears, the Bears, they on Thursday night snapped their 14-game regular season losing streak. And at the expense of the Manders. The Commanders on Thursday night were the Bears' slump busters. Unreal. Uh, Are people going to get fired off this loss? Are we about to have what we had four years ago at this time? A major firing with our football team. Well, look, I'm not counting on that, but I do know this. An NFL team in season number four of a head coaching regime should not get blown out at home by an 0-4 team that has not won a regular season game in nearly 12 months, okay? Point blank, period. An NFL team in season number four of a head coaching regime 
should not get blown out at home by an 0-4 team that has not won a regular season game in nearly 12 months. What happened on Thursday night cannot happen. (laughs) And yet it did happen. Inexcusable. Uh, I am angry. You are angry. We have a lot to cover. Next segment, I will sound off on the commander's horrendous defensive performance in this loss to the Bears, including a second consecutive woeful game for corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr., who got benched. Uh, You will hear what uh, head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference late night on Thursday night said about the benching of Manny Forbes uh, and said about a lot more with the defense. And then after that, in-depth analysis of the commander's offense, including a lot on quarterback Sam Howell, who I thought played very well in the second half. Uh, And I have some thoughts on commander special teams, kicker Joey Sly, that missed 46-yard field goal attempt in the fourth quarter. Although, on the list of bad things for the commanders on Thursday night, I'm not sure that the Joey Sly missed fourth quarter field goal attempt even makes the top 10. Well, also on the show, the Orioles. uh, Their best of five American League Division Series begins this weekend. I will welcome back to the show Orioles and MLB writer Dan Connolly of SportsNot. Dan has covered the O's for years, previously covered the O's for the Baltimore Sun and the Athletic. And Dan is going to give us great insight on the O's, including whether this 2023 Orioles team is the franchise's best team since the 1983 World Series championship team, uh, what the Orioles' starting pitching plan for the ALDS will be, what the future of Orioles' ownership is, and more. If you are an Orioles fan, And I know that many of you are. Uh, Trust me, you do not want to miss this. Dan Connolly on the O's coming up in a bit. Uh, And I on the show will talk college football. Goldilocks, my previews and picks against the spreads for Maryland Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. The games that I will be discussing. Maryland at number four, Ohio State, Virginia Tech at number five, Florida State, and Navy home to North Texas. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the debacle at FedEx Field on Thursday night. Email from Michael King, writes Mike. So what do you think that Rod Rivera and Stephanie Rivera talked about in the car on the way home? (laughs) Maybe how pathetic he and the whole organization are, hoping he is fired immediately and take the whole crew with him. And the uniforms also were terrible. Burgundy and gold and black. Not skins colors. All just awful. Uh, thanks, Al. Thank you for the email, Mike. Email from Rob. <laughs> this is good. Writes Rob. On my way home from the game, I'm proud of our offense for putting up 40. Aren't you disappointed in the defense giving up 20 to the Bears? But at least we kept the Bears' losing streak intact. Probably time to give the coaching staff a raise. Well, thank you for the email, Rob. Uh, Who wants to tell Rob the truth here? Uh, Email from Yano, writes Yano, Will Galdi, the yo-yo Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Manders continue to waffle, to vacillate, to absolutely befuddle the D.C. fan base. What an embarrassment on Thursday night. Now to the big question. As you record your show in the wee hours of Friday morning, might the Manders triumvirate of Josh Harris, Mitch Rails, and Magic Johnson be huddling at a backroom table at some bar deciding whether to replace Ron Rivera during this mini bye week. What say you could a firing be in the offing? Keep up the great work. Uh, thank you for the email, Gano. I don't 
see Ron getting fired off this game. But listen, man, a game like what we had on Thursday night, that is the kind of game that ultimately leads to firings. Maybe not right now, maybe not in the immediate aftermath, but ultimately, yes. I mean, if you are the commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, if you are the top limited partners in the Josh Harris group, Mitchell Rails and Magic Johnson, what are you thinking off what we saw on Thursday night? How are you not as livid as the rest of us about what went down on Thursday night? Email from Dr. George Verghese, writes the doctor, not only garbage play, but horrible black uniforms. Trash them. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Dr. Verghese. I hear you. Yeah, you know, the black unis don't look so good when you're getting stomped at home by an 0-4 team. Well, if you want to look good uh, by having your skin be the best that it can be, contact Dr. George Verghese. Dr. George Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you are dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers. Call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland at 301-396-3401. That's 301 301- 396-3401, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you, but call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, not to go biblical on you, but one of the most famous sayings in the Bible is, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. I'll let you figure out what that means in the grand scheme of life, but you know, that phrase does apply to sports. To whom much is given, much is required. A lot has been given slash put into the commander's defense. Washington has spent a first-round pick on a defensive player in six of the last seven NFL drafts. If you go by the data on OverTheCap.com, three of the top four and four of the top six salary cap hits on the commanders this season 
are for defensive players. Uh, the Commanders have a head coach in Ron Rivera with a defensive background. The Commanders are in their fourth season with Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator. So it's not like the team is learning a new defense. Uh, heck, the Commanders defense is filled with guys who've been on the team for multiple seasons. It's not like the defense is comprised of a bunch of new players to whom much is given much is required. (laughs) Well, the uh, commanders right now ain't getting much from their defense. You know, it was one thing for the commander's defense to have issues in each of the team's previous three games. Week two, the 35-33 win at the Denver Broncos. The commander's defense was really bad over the first quarter and a half, but then was really good the rest of the game, and the commanders won the game. Week three, the 37-3 lost to the Buffalo Bills at a rainy FedEx field. The commander's defense was bad, but at least you could say that the commanders were facing a very good offense in that of the Bills, who of course have a really good quarterback in Josh Allen. Uh, Week four, the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles this past Sunday afternoon. The commanders got carved up by Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, but The Commanders actually did some good things defensively in that game, held the Eagles to just 4-12 on third downs, held Eagles running backs DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell to combined 18 carries for just 70 yards. So that works out to a yards per carry of just 3.89. And the Commanders finished with three sacks and eight quarterback hits. And the Eagles offense is really good. Nobody was thrilled with how the commander's defense played in each of the team's previous three games. But there was context to all three performances that made them look at least a little better. There is no context to make the commander's defensive performance on Thursday night look any better. The commander's defense in this 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football was terrible. Considering the opponent, this was one of the worst single-game defensive performances by a Washington defense that I have seen. And I say this as someone who has said many times on this podcast, in today's NFL, truly dominant defense isn't really something that is realistically achievable, okay? I mean, you never say never, but given the way of the current NFL I think that we have to recalibrate what constitutes great defense. But, you know, that's not a license to just be awful on defense, okay? And the commanders on Thursday night were awful. The commanders' defense in this loss to the Bears was atrocious. The commanders were facing a Bears team that had lost 14 consecutive regular season games. The commanders were facing a Bears team that came into the game 28 out of 32 NFL teams in total offense per DVOA for this regular season. The Commanders were facing a Bears team that, during the game, lost the team's top running back, Virginia Tech product Khalil Herbert, to an ankle injury that he suffered on the Bears' first offensive drive of the third quarter. The Commanders were facing a Bears team that started a backup at left tackle in Larry Borum uh, due to the team's starting left tackle, Braxton Jones being on the reserve injured list. And yet, the Commanders allowed the Bears to score 40 points, generate 451 
total net yards of offense, average 7.05 yards per play, and goes 7 of 15 on third downs. The Bears in the first half generated 307 total net yards of offense. This was the Bears' most total net yards of offense in the first half of a regular season road game since September 1989. Yes, September 1989. The Commanders allowed Bears quarterback Justin Fields to throw for 282 yards on just 15 completions. Now, he did not have a high completion percentage. Fields only completed 15 of 29 pass attempts, but 282 yards on 15 completions. That works out to a yards per completion of 18.8. And the commanders allowed Fields to have four touchdown passes versus no interceptions and to have 11 carries for 57 yards. The commanders allowed Bears receiver and Maryland product, DJ Moore, to go nuclear. (laughs) Eight receptions for 230 yards and three touchdowns on 10 targets. And the commanders allowed Khalil Herbert during his time in the game to have 10 carries for 76 yards. The commander's defense got worked. The commander's defense got embarrassed. You know, it would be one thing if the commander's defense was just so-so. No, 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 no. The commander's defense in this game got run over. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night. And then you will hear multiple follow-up exchanges. You know, it's something we got to take a long look at and kind of understand why more so than anything else. I mean, we're going to watch the tape. We'll look at what we need to do better. You know, it starts at the top. I mean, you know, we've got to be better, and that's our, that's on me. You know, and then we got to make sure we're putting in a position to be successful. Defense keeps having breakdown last several games. How do you go about fixing that? Well, you know, we got to look at the rotation of players, look at what we do, and make sure, as I said, we're putting them in position to be successful. These explosive plays that you have, is that the secondary thing? Is that a not pressure generating pressure thing? What's, what's going on? Well, I think some of it is just missed opportunities. Sometimes it's not about going after the ball as much as it's securing the tackle. I mean, these are all things that we're going to look at and talk about, and we've got a little time to do that now. It's, it's the fourth week that you guys have allowed at least 30 points. I think the mm-hmm. changes can you make? Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to sit up here and talk about those things until we get an opportunity to break the tape down. Go through the tape, sit down, talk as staff, and then go from there. Yeah, the Commander's next game is at the Atlanta Falcons Sunday afternoon, October 15th at 1. We later in Rod Rivera's postgame press conference late night on Thursday night had these exchanges with David Aldridge of The Athletic. Uh, I know it's the NFL and everybody's game, but it's, it's one thing, the, you know, the Eagles are prolific. Yep. Yep. No, but that quarterback's been very solid. The quarterback had a very good week last week. He showed what he was capable of. He's shown it before. He did the same thing to us last year. He gave us fits. He's a heck of a young football player, you know. And again, sometimes he got, you know, he get hot, make some plays. He's through to probably one of the really good receivers in this league, and DJ Moore, um, somebody I'm very familiar with. 
and uh, they have a solid running game. You know, and, and when you have that kind of uh, rhythm going, it's it's tough. It really is. And, and you're right. This is the NFL, and it, everybody's capable, and, and that's exactly what happened today. Do you think your guys were, I don't know what the word is, they, they, to get off to a start like that, I mean, they didn't punt the first half. Yeah, that was disappointing. You know, as I said, it's something we got to take a long look at and start with ourselves. Yeah, and ourselves includes not just Rod Rivera, but also Jack Del Rio. You know, I am not one of these Jack Del Rio haters. Uh, Jack has done a very good job as Washington defensive coordinator in two of the last three seasons, 2020 and 2022. I don't know how you look at what Jack did in 2020 and 2022 and not say that he did a good job in those seasons. But the job that he did in the 2021 season was not good. And the job that he is doing so far this season is not good. I know that a lot of you want Jack fired off what happened on Thursday night. I would be surprised if he got fired off what happened on Thursday night. Now, he might eventually get fired, but I don't know about him getting fired like on, you know, Friday morning or Friday afternoon or Saturday or something like that. I would be surprised if Jack got fired in the immediate aftermath of this game. But I will say this, the commander's defense on Thursday night was so bad and it's been such a disappointment now over the last four games to where you do question everything, including, by the way, the players, right? Uh, You question the coaching for sure, but you also should question the players. Maybe, just maybe, we have all overrated these players. You have to be open to that. But yeah, a defensive performance, the likes of which we saw from the commanders in this loss to the Bears. Again, considering the opponent... Uh, was at a level of bad that gets people fired and gets people benched. So while I'm not expecting Jack Del Rio to get fired off this game, and I'm not advocating for that either. I would not fire Jack off this game. But I tell you, I'm not entirely dismissing that possibility either. Like, I'm not saying there's a 0% chance of that happening. You know, you think about this commander's defense, something is off here. I felt that way about the 2021 defense. I feel that way now about this 2023 defense. Something is off. Something is not right. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. All of this talent, at least we think talent, you know, all of this continuity, a guy in Jack Del Rio who has a track record of coaching up good defense, and yet the defense is this bad. And now you have to say that it's not just, well, you face good quarterbacks, you look bad defensively. No, you faced on Thursday night a guy in Justin Fields who, yes, is talented, but he's not having some great season, okay? And there are a lot of questions about whether he's going to actually make it as an NFL QB1, and maybe he will. You know, maybe we are seeing the blossoming of Justin Fields. Who the heck knows? But, you know, this is not someone who had been exactly thriving, okay? He was coming off a good game in the Bears' previous game, that uh, 31-28 home loss to the Denver Broncos last Sunday afternoon in a game in which the Bears blew a 28-7 third-quarter lead. But nobody was fearing Justin Fields on Thursday night, and yet Justin Fields ended up torching the commanders. All of these first round picks, all of this salary cap space, all of this continuity, and yet we got what we got from the commanders defense on Thursday night. The commanders have a real problem in their 2023 first round pick corner, Emmanuel Forbes Jr. right now. He was horrendous 
for a second consecutive game. He got benched on Thursday night. Uh, Forbes in the overtime loss at the Eagles for Pro Football Focus was targeted 13 times and gave up nine catches for 197 yards. We talked about that over the last few days. Well, Forbes in the loss to the Bears got ripped once again. The Bears' second offensive drive resulted in kicker Cairo Santos's first quarter 22-yard field goal, the seventh snap of the drive on a second and seven for the Bears at the Commanders' 47. The Commanders gave up a 34-yard shotgun read option run by Khalil Herbert as Emmanuel Forbes had a missed tackle. The Bears' third offensive drive resulted in Justin Fields' third and six 11-yard shotgun touchdown pass to DJ Moore on the second snap of the second quarter. The first snap of the drive, the fourth to last snap of the first quarter. On a first and 10 for the Bears at their 31, Emmanuel Forbes got beat by DJ Moore and failed badly on an attempted tackle on a 39-yard shotgun play-action completion by Fields to Moore, who gained 33 yards after the catch. The Bears' eighth offensive drive resulted in the Cairo Santos early fourth quarter 43-yard field goal, the fourth snap of that drive, and the next-to-last snap of the third quarter. On a second and 10 for the Bears at their 37, Emmanuel Forbes in defending DJ Moore gambled for a pass defense and whiffed, resulting in a 32-yard shotgun play-action completion by Justin Fields to Moore on a short pass on which Moore generated 20 four yards after the catch. And it was immediately after this play that Forbes got benched. Now, what was funny is the guy who came into the game for Forbes, corner Danny Johnson, he then got beat two snaps after that play that I just took you through. Uh, what was the second snap of the fourth quarter, corner Danny Johnson got beat by DJ Moore, but the pass to Moore was overthrown by Justin Fields on a shotgun play action in completion on a third and four for the Bears at the Commander's 25. Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night on his thought process in benching Emmanuel Forbes. Well, thought process was he was struggling and, you know, we we're hoping that he would bounce back from last week. And, uh, you know, we just felt at that point it was time to make a, make a move. And the result was Danny Johnson playing. Boy, Danny Johnson every season, the same thing, right? He doesn't play early in the season, is perhaps on the practice squad early in the season, but he then somehow, some way, finds his way into playing as the season goes on. Every season, <laughs> this happens with Danny Johnson. But, you know, the bad defense by the commanders on Thursday night certainly was not all on Emmanuel Forbes Jr. The Bears' first offensive drive, the opening drive of the game. You talk about a tone setter. Uh, the commander's secondary, major problems on this drive. The first snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Bears at their 25 corner. Kendall Fuller got beat by receiver Darnell Mooney, but Justin Fields overthrew Mooney on a pistol play action in completion. Third snap of the drive on a third and nine for the Bears at their 26 corner. Benjamin St. Juice got lost in coverage on DJ Moore on a 58-yard shotgun completion by Justin Fields to Moore. The sixth snap of the drive on a third and 14 for the Bears at the Commander's 20. Safety Percy Butler bit on a route to the inside, leaving DJ Moore wide open in the end zone for a 20-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Justin Fields to Moore. I mean, think about some of the downs 
and distances on those snaps that it just took you through. Uh, Third and nine for the Bears at their 26, DJ Moore, 58-yard reception. Third and 14 for the Bears at the Commanders 20, Moore, a 20-yard touchdown reception. The Commanders defense giving it up on third down. Uh, The Bears' third offensive drive, the sixth snap of the drive, the second snap of the second quarter on a third and six for the Bears at the Commanders' 11. There's that down again, third down. Kendall Fuller beaten by DJ Moore on an 11-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Justin Fields to Moore on a perfect throw toward the back left corner of the end zone. Great throw by Fields. You know, Fuller's coverage actually wasn't that bad, but he did never locate the football. Uh, the Bears' fourth offensive drive resulted in Cairo Santos's second quarter 36-yard field goal, second snap of the drive on a second and three for the Bears at their 32. Tight end Cole Komet wide open in the middle of the field for a 23-yard reception on a pistol play action completion by Justin Fields. The Bears' fifth offensive drive happened deep into the second quarter. The third snap of the drive and the first snap after the first half two-minute warning on a third and seven for the Bears at the Commanders' 33. The Commanders gave up a 16-yard shotgun handoff run by Khalil Herbert on a play that drove me nuts, a play on which multiple Bears pushed Herbert forward for significant yardage after contact. This was a manhood play, and the Bears had the superior manhood on that play. And then the sixth snap of the drive, first and goal for the Bears at the four, linebacker Cody Barton got beat by Cole Komet on a Justin Fields four-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Komet with 24 seconds left in the second quarter. All of this happened in the first half. Now, the defense was better in the second half, yes, but still gave stuff up. The Bears' sixth offensive drive, their first drive of the second half, uh, resulted in a third-quarter punt, but the second snap of the drive on a second and nine for the Bears at their 26. The Commanders gave up a 14-yard shotgun fake toss run by Justin Fields. And then the exclamation mark, the cherry on top of the whipped cream on top of the Sunday. The Bears' 10th offensive drive, third snap of the drive on a third and two. There's that down again, third down, Third and two for the Bears at their 44. Kendall Fuller in covering, who else? DJ Moore, who morphed into Jerry Rice on Thursday night. Uh, Fuller gambled for a pass defense and failed. And the result was a 56-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Justin Fields to Moore with 4.09 left in the fourth quarter. Moore on the play generated 48 yards after the catch. The ensuing extra point gave the Bears a 37-20 lead. And that was it. That was the nail in the coffin on the Manders on Thursday night. I guess if you're searching, if you're grasping for some kind of positive for the Commander's defense on Thursday night, you could say that the pass rush was a positive or a pseudo-positive. The Commanders did finish with three sacks and nine quarterback hits. Edge defender Montez Sweat finished with one and a half sacks, two quarterback hits, and a pass defense. Edge defender Chase Young finished with half of a sack, three quarterback hits, and a pass defense. Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen finished with a sack and two quarterback hits. But whatever, it is really hard to feel good about anything with this defense of how it played on Thursday night. Well, something that you can feel good about is catering by Uptown. Uh, If you are planning an event that you want to go well, 
Catering by Uptown will come through for you. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu, to picking linens, to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. Uh, no experience is necessary and you get paid in-house training. This is a great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com that's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, I know that not everyone is in the greatest mood right now, but uh, I do want to thank you uh, for continuing to give this podcast five-star ratings and write nice reviews of the podcast. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are greatly appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews do help us out a lot, so thank you very much for doing them. Uh, well, time now to talk Commander's offense and some Commander's special teams uh, from the oh-so-wonderful 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday night football. The Commander's defense in the game was far more of a problem than the Commander's offense was, but let's first acknowledge that the Commander's offense in the first half was bad. Uh, the Commander's in the first half scored just three points, averaged a mere four yards per play, uh, and went one of four on third downs. Not good. Okay, the offense in the first half was not good. How about what went down with running back Brian Robinson Jr. on Thursday night? So Robinson for the game, six carries for 10 yards. All of that came in the first half. He on the commander's first offensive drive, which resulted in a first quarter three and out, had a first and 10 five-yard shotgun handoff run on the first snap of the drive. His other five carries in the game totaled Five yards. And get this from Pro Football Focus. The Commanders on Thursday night dropped back to pass 55 consecutive times without a designed run. From 8.49 in the second quarter until the end of the game. That is the most consecutive dropbacks for an NFL team in a game that Pro Football Focus has data for. And that is since the start of the 2006 season. 55 consecutive times on which the Commanders dropped back 
to pass as opposed to going with a designed run. So much for run-pass balance. <laughs> uh, that is going to drive the run-pass balance people crazy. Uh, Commander's quarterback Sam Howell, he in the first half on Thursday night went 9-13 of for just 71 yards, no touchdowns, and a bad interception. Sam threw a brutal pick in the second quarter. The Commander's fourth offensive drive, the lone snap of the drive. On a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 25, Sam threw a shotgun interception to former Washington defensive back and Virginia Tech product Greg Stroman Jr. How about that guy on Thursday night? He had a big game. Uh, Sam was late in throwing a pass across the middle intended for receiver Curtis Samuel and the ensuing Bears offensive drive resulted in quarterback Justin Fields first and goal four-yard shotgun touchdown pass to tight end Cole Komet with 24 seconds left in the second quarter. Additionally, Sam Howell had a near pick in the second quarter. The commander's third offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's second quarter 51-yard field goal, the 11th snap of the drive on a third and four for the commanders at the Bears 33. Sam had a shotgun incompletion on a pass that was tipped by interior defensive lineman Justin Jones and nearly intercepted. Also on the play was an illegal shift penalty on the commander's that was declined. But Sam Howell in the second half played well, very well, in fact. Uh, it is a shame that the commanders in facing a bad defensive team in the Bears did not work this defense in the first half, no doubt. I mean, the Bears came into the game ranking 31st out of 32 NFL teams in total defense per DVOA for this regular season. Opposing teams against the Bears over their first four games of this regular season had a yards per pass attempt of 8.43 and 10 touchdown passes versus two interceptions. And two key defensive backs for the Bears were out for Thursday night due to injury, safety Eddie Jackson and corner Jalen Johnson. So that the commanders did not torch this Bears passing defense is bad, but the Commander's passing offense was good in the second half. Sam Howell in the second half went 28-38 for 317 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. His yards per pass attempt in the second half was 8.34. Uh, Sam for the game, 37-51 of 51 for 388 yards two touchdowns, and an interception. He did take five sacks, uh, but he also had four carries for 19, shall we say, tough yards. Sam earned those yards. Uh, and he quarterback to commander's offense that went 6 of 12 on third downs. And he put up these numbers despite commander's pass catchers being guilty of multiple drops. More on those coming up in a bit. But this was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night on how Sam Howell played. I thought he had his moments. You know, it was unfortunate we didn't get anything going early on in the, uh, in the first quarter. It was kind of tough to get into a rhythm for him. And, uh, you know, then we got a nice little rhythm going. And, uh, you know, we didn't sustain it. You know, we turned the ball over. You turned the ball over twice. It's, that's a tough thing. Yes, it is. Uh, the good from Sam Howell on Thursday night. The Commanders had two nice screen pass plays on the team's six offensive drive, which resulted in a terrific touchdown pass by Sam. This was the opening drive of the second half, was a five-play, 
75-yard drive resulted in Sam's third quarter first and goal two-yard under center play action boot touchdown pass to tight end Logan Thomas on a nice tight window throw by Sam. Uh, And then Sam had a two-yard shotgun play action scramble for a two-point conversion to cut the commander's deficit to 27-11. The first half of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 25, Sam had a 24-yard shotgun completion to running back Brian Robinson Jr. on a screen. The fourth snap of the drive at a first and 10 for the Commanders at the Bears 39. Sam had a 12-yard shotgun play action completion to running back Antonio Gibson on a screen. Sam Howell had two big completions and an impressive scramble on the Commanders' eighth offensive drive. This was a seven-play, 70-yard drive, resulted in Joey Sly's third quarter, 32-yard field goal to cut the Commanders' deficit to 27-14. The second snap of the drive on a second and three for the commanders at their 24. Sam had a 41-yard shotgun completion to Antonio Gibson on a deep ball near the right sideline off the commanders going five wide. Third snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Bears 35. Sam had a 14-yard shotgun completion to receiver Jahan Dodson on a good quick throw. Sixth snap of the drive on a third and 12 for the commanders at the Bears 23. Sam had a 10-yard shotgun scramble. Didn't get the first down, but this was some scramble, a scramble on which Sam danced all over over the place to get the 10 yards, including appearing to run into a dead stop in running into a mass of four bodies up the middle. But then Sam ran to his right for yardage, including evading the grasp of interior defensive lineman Justin Jones. Uh, Sam Howell had two big completions and an impressive scramble on the commander's ninth offensive drive was a 12-play 75-yard drive that resulted in Sam's fourth quarter, third and goal, three-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Curtis Samuel, who was wide open in the end zone. The first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 25, Sam had a five-yard shotgun scramble on which he spun out of a potential sack and found a way to gain yardage. The eighth snap of the drive on a third and 10 for the commanders at the Bears 39, Sam had an 11-yard shotgun completion to receiver Deami Brown. The ninth snap of the drive on a first First and 10 for the Commanders at the Bears 28. Sam had a 25-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. Uh, Sam Howell had three big completions on the Commanders' 10th offensive drive, which did result in the Joey Sly missed fourth quarter 46-yard field goal attempt. But the second snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the Commanders at their 20. Sam had a 15-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel. The fifth snap of the drive on a third and 13 for the Commanders at their 32. Sam had a 13-yard shotgun completion to Logan Thomas, who did a great job of diving for the necessary yardage for the first down. The seventh snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the Commanders at their 45. Sam had a 32-yard shotgun completion to receiver Terry McLaurin on a pass on which Sam displayed great touch. Uh, So a lot of good throws by Sam Howell, certainly in the second half on Thursday night. Uh, As for the sacks, you know, I on Thursday's show, episode 671 during Rhyming Keys, uh, said that something would have to be seriously wrong for Sam on Thursday night to get sacked a bunch. Uh, Well, He did get sacked a bunch. Uh, And yes, something was seriously wrong. The whole game was seriously wrong. But Sam took five sacks from a Bears team that came into the game with two sacks over four games in the 2023 regular season. Now, the last two sacks 
that Sam took on Thursday night came well into the fourth quarter during garbage time. The first sack that he took came on a first quarter shotgun scramble for no gain. But the commander's eighth offensive drive, which resulted in the Joey Sly third quarter 32-yard field goal, the fourth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Bears 21. Sam took a sack from Greg Stroman for a nine-yard loss. Stroman came in unblocked on a corner blitz. Greg Stroman on Thursday night played the game of his life. Where was this when he played for Washington? Uh, And the commander's 10th offensive drive, which resulted in the Joey Sly missed fourth quarter 46-yard field goal attempt, the fourth snap of the drive on a second and nine for the commanders at their 36. Sam took a sack by edge defender and Maryland product Yannick Ngakwe for a four-yard loss. That did seem to be a sack that Sam could have avoided at the very least by throwing the football away. But yeah, bottom line, okay, a team that had two sacks over the team's first four games of this regular season had five sacks in facing the Commanders on Thursday night. Here was Sam Howell during his post-game press conference late night on Thursday night. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, definitely, definitely felt like it was a game that we we were capable of winning, um, and you know, just didn't come out to didn't, didn't come off to a good start, um, and kind of put ourselves in a hole there in the first half, and you know, tried to fight our way back in the second half, but you know, we came up short. Um, and I think it, I think everyone just needs to look in the mirror, and I think everyone came out of the game knowing that they can do something better. Um, and I think as long as we make the improvements we need to make. You know we'll, we'll be fine. Um, you know, obviously it's it's still early in the season. Um, obviously we'd we'd like to have a better record than we have, um, but we still have 12 games left, and we still have a a lot of time to to prove who we really are as a team. Um, and I know one thing about this team is tonight won't define who we are as a football team, um, and we'll be better moving forward. All right, I will get to the drops in moments, but you know, while very little went well for the Commanders on Thursday night, I am happy to say that my underdog fantasy plays did come through. Uh, I took Sam Howell to have higher than 14 and a half rushing yards. He did, and I took Bears quarterback Justin Fields to have higher than 0.5 total yards. Uh, Oh, he did. Uh, And what was essentially free money from Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is great. And Underdog Fantasy is offering a limited time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. I, for this season, am making fantasy football picks for Commander's Games in terms of Underdog Fantasy's higher lower totals. Uh, Underdog Fantasy is great. It is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. Uh, And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. 
That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. All right, the drops by Commanders pass catchers in this 40-20 loss to the Bears on Thursday night. The Commanders on Thursday night, by my count, were guilty of perhaps as many as five drops. Now, this depends on how you define a drop, but consider the following. So receiver Deami Brown, he had one reception for 11 yards on three targets and was guilty of two drops. Deami Brown dropped number one. The commander's third offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's second quarter 51-yard field goal. The eighth snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the commanders at the Bears 39. Deami in the end zone had what I consider to be a drop on a shotgun play action bomb from Sam Howell. Now, the pass was not perfect, okay? The pass was overthrown, but not by a ton, not by enough to where Diami had no chance to make the catch. And how about this? Diami didn't dive for the ball. Dive, okay? Dive. You're Diami Brown. Make the attempt to catch the ball for a touchdown. He didn't dive on the play. That to me was a drop. And then Diami Brown dropped number two. The commander's ninth offensive drive uh, resulted in the Sam Howell fourth quarter, third and goal, three-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel. The 11th snap of the drive on a second and goal at the three. Diami had a drop on a shotgun pass by Sam that, in fairness to Diami, was behind him. But, you know, Diami got his hands on the football. Like, if you can do that, you should be able to make the catch. Not easy. Okay, I get that. But to me, that was a drop. Uh, receiver Terry McLaurin. He had four receptions for 49 yards on five targets and drew a defensive pass interference penalty. But, you know, Terry could be considered guilty of a drop. Uh, Terry in the fourth quarter had what you could call a drop. The commander's 10th offensive drive. This was the one that resulted in the Joey Sly missed fourth quarter 46-yard field goal attempt. The sixth snap of that drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 45, a deep shotgun pass by Sam Howell, intended for Terry, was underthrown, okay? But Terry actually had a chance to catch the ball and did it. Now, also on the play, potentially, was defensive pass interference. Again, not an easy play, but if you watch the replay, Terry is right there to make the catch and (laughs) doesn't make the catch. I mean, you know, that to me, uh, very much could be considered a drop. Uh, Logan Thomas, he did some really good stuff on Thursday night, finished with nine receptions for 70-70 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets, but he had a lost fumble, okay, and that was a big boo-boo. And Logan also had what could be considered a drop. The commander's ninth offensive drive, the drive that resulted in the Sam Howell touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel in the fourth quarter, the seventh snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the commanders at the Bears 39. Logan did not make the catch in making a diving attempt on the ball on a shotgun deep in completion by Sam Howell. Again, not an easy play. At least Logan made the diving attempt, uh, but he did not come through with the catch. And the lost fumble was brutal. 
Uh, third quarter, Commander's seventh offensive drive. It was their second offensive drive of the second half. The second snap of the drive on a second and three for the Commanders at their 37. Logan, a lost fumble and spinning and fighting for extra yardage on an eight-yard reception. I respect the effort. But, you know, in watching that play, I don't know about you, I said to myself, Logan better be careful because he's coming dangerously close to losing the football. And sure enough, he did a killer lost fumble right there. But like I said, Logan did make some plays. How about the catch that he made on the commander's third offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's second quarter 51-yard field goal. Third snap of the drive on a third and two for the Commanders at their 33. Logan, a very nice catch of a low throw by Sam Howell on a three-yard reception on a shotgun sprint out throw uh, for the Commanders. First first down of the game. Yes, the Commanders did not get their first first down of the game until the second quarter. And Antonio Gibson on Thursday night, uh, no carries, four receptions for 64 yards on six targets. He did some good things, but he also was guilty of a drop. Uh, Gibson in the fourth quarter had a drop. The drive that gave us the Joey Sly missed 46-yard field goal attempt, the 10th snap of that drive on a third and 15 for the Commanders at the Bears 28. Gibson had a drop on a shotgun pass by Sam Howell. So again, uh, you know, it depends on how you wanted to find a drop, but the commanders were guilty by my count of perhaps as many as five drops in this game. Uh, and that missed field goal by Joey Sly. Look, the commanders gave up the 56-yard shotgun touchdown pass by Justin Fields to receiver DJ Moore with 409 left in the fourth quarter. So maybe Sly making that field goal attempt would not have mattered. But that was a bad miss. Sly missing a fourth quarter 46-yard field goal attempt with the commanders trailing 30-20. He, to his credit, did make his two other field goal attempts on Thursday night. Sly connected on a 51-yard field goal in the second quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 17-3. And Sly connected on a 32-yard field goal in the third quarter to cut the commander's deficit to 27-14. And while we're talking commander special teams, two key special teams players for the commanders got knocked out of the game on Thursday night by injury. Uh, safety Jeremy Reeves, knee injury. Corner Kristen Holmes, a hamstring injury. Uh, bottom line, Thursday night, a very bad night for the commanders. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, few things in life go together as well as pizza 
and an NFL game day. Make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before NFL games. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave. Kind of like picking players for your fantasy team only with Little Caesars Pizza. You never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour of the week. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, the Orioles on Saturday afternoon will play a playoff game for the first time in seven years. The total teardown, all in on analytics rebuild, orchestrated by Mike Elias off his hiring as O's executive vice president and general manager in November 2018, has led to the O's this season making the playoffs for the first time since 2016, winning the American League East for the first time since 2014, and being the number one seed in the American League playoffs. The O's are facing the Texas Rangers in a best-of-five American League division series. Game one at Oriole Park at Camden Yards Saturday afternoon at 1.03. Game two at Camden Yards Sunday afternoon at 4.07. Game three at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, Tuesday night at 8.03. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast Orioles and MLB writer Dan Connolly of SportsNot. Dot com. Uh, Dan has covered the O's for years, previously covered the O's for the Baltimore Sun and the Athletic. You could follow Dan on Twitter, at Dan Connolly 2016 Hey, Dan, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well. In terms of Orioles teams since the 1983 World Series Championship Orioles team, is this 2023 Orioles team the best? Uh, the 101 and 61 record is the team's best record for regular season since 1971. Uh, the O's since winning the 83 World Series have made the playoffs in 1996, 97, 2012, 2014, 2016, and now 2023. That's it. Uh, how does this 2023 team compare with those teams? Well, I think they're comparable. I mean, I think there's no question they're in that mix. I mean, the 1997 team, you know, was a, a star-studded group, uh, went wire to wire, uh, probably should have been in the World Series and, you know, lost the Cleveland Indians at the time um, in the ALCS. That was an, obviously a very, very good, very talented team, several Hall of Famers, et cetera, on that squad. You know, if you go to Ripken and Alomar and, and Messina and, and such. So that was a Palmero if, if he ever gets in. Um, so that was a star-studded team. And then the 2014 team was very, very good. I mean, they obviously, they got, you know, hit by a, uh, a, a team like the Kansas City Royals that were so hot. But they made it to the ALCS, and they were, you know, they had everything, um, including an incredible bullpen. So this team here, it almost still feels like it's a year away in that to win it all or to be right there. But they are really good. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I initially thought that, the Astros would be the team to beat in the American League and you know, and some other teams there. And obviously Tampa started out so hot. But in watching this team over and over again, 
you know, I think they're the team for the American League. I mean, they obviously had the best record in the American League this year, but I think they're the team that goes to the World Series, which would make them probably the best of the group we talked about because all the other teams kind of stopped at that ALCS. And this team is just a team, and it just wins. And that's kind of what's most impressive about it. When you look at the Orioles, the starting pitching, the bullpen, the hitting, the base running, the defense, which aspect of the team should the O's fan feel best about going into the playoffs? And which aspect of the team should the O's fan be the most concerned about going into the playoffs? Well, I think as far as what really stands out to me. Now, obviously, on Sunday, they didn't look very good and they made four errors. But this is a very tight defensive team. And they, you know, they depending on what the alignment is, I mean, they can put a guy who, you know, is a gold glover at third base and Urias in there. Um, Gunnar Henderson can play short or third, and he's fantastic. Uh, most of the time, sometimes he rushes his throws. But for the most part, he's, a you know, at 22 years old, he's a really, really strong defender. Second base... It can can be that way, you know. If if you look at at Westberg, he plays a really good second base. Uh, Frazier's been been pretty good there. O'Hearn and Mountcastle and O'Hearn has been pretty excellent at first base, and then their outfield covers more ground than is almost you know any team in baseball. And then they got this kid behind the plate you might have heard of in Rutschman. So they are really really tight defensively, um, and I, I think they're like the fifth least amount of errors made in, in the majors and such. They're just a really good defensive team. The, the thing that would concern me, and it, it's a little bit less going into this now than maybe it was a couple weeks ago, the pitching staff as a whole, and specifically the starting pitching staff, has been the weakness of this team, but it really hasn't been weak. It's just the guys aren't going, the pitchers aren't going particularly deep, and that kind of cuts into the effectiveness of the bullpen, especially the last month or so. And the Orioles are without Felix Bautista, who was a shutdown closer. They've lost him for the year, for next year as well, uh, undergoing Tommy John surgery. And so that kind of shuffles the bullpen. And obviously, if you take away a, a shutdown guy, that hurts. So what I'm going to be most interested in watching is what happens with this starting rotation, how deep it can go, if it can get six or so in each playoff game. And that should make the, the bullpen more effective. But I, I think I'm still a little bit concerned about how that all works together. The Orioles have not yet announced their starting pitching plan for the ALDS, but we all expect Kyle Bradish to be their starting pitcher for Game 1. I'm assuming Grayson Rodriguez for Game 2. What are you thinking for the starting pitching beyond Bradish in Game 1? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly how they're going to enumerate it, whether they would like, actually, Grayson's been really good on the road, too, so maybe, you know, you put him there. But um, I think it probably will be Bradish and, and Rodriguez. I imagine it's John Means. Um, you know, he's a guy, he's a bulldog. He was their best pitcher before he went down with uh, Tommy John surgery last April. Um, and when I say last April, I'm talking about in 2022. Uh, he's back. He's pitched pretty well. He hasn't pitched particularly deep, but he has pitched pretty well. Um, since his return, and he's just got that veteran presence. I would, and he's a left-hander, so I would put him, you know, as one of the three. If they feel they need to go four in a five-game series, uh, I think it's probably Dean Kramer uh, with the potential of of Kyle Gibson as well. Gibson again is a bulldog veteran. He's done it before. He actually was put into the bullpen last year uh, with the Phillies. That he did not start a game for the Phillies in the uh, in their you know, World Series run, um, and that could be a, a decent fit for him. But I, I think it's going to be the two you mentioned and Means, and then a fourth guy, probably Kramer. 
So the Orioles trade deadline acquisition this season, pitcher Jack Flaherty, who was so bad as a starter for the O's that he ended the regular season in their bullpen. Will he even make the Orioles roster for their ALDS? I mean, if he does, it would be as a reliever. And he's, he's done that job, you know, the last few weeks he was put into that position. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, they're going to have some, some difficult decisions, you know, in that bullpen. Uh, you know, another guy that they acquired in the uh, around the trade deadline, before the trade deadline, is Shintaro Fujinami, um, who throws 100 miles an hour, but half the time doesn't know where it's going. Yeah. And <laughs> and he's probably he's probably on the outside looking in as well. It really depends on what they how they want to shape that bullpen. They have several lefties they can use, um, and so maybe they you know maybe they want to keep one of the or two of those right handers. But I mean, Flaherty for experience might be kept. Um, but he hasn't he hasn't shown a reason to to truly be kept compared to some of these other guys. Plus, they have Tyler Wells back now. Uh, I would think that they would want to keep him in on the uh, the roster. Uh, DL Hall has come up and has pitched pretty well, and he's a left hander. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I think Flaherty might be on the outside looking in here. We're talking Orioles with Orioles and MLB writer Dan Connolly of SportsNot. Com. What Mike Elias has done since being hired by the O's in November 2018 has been nothing short of spectacular. I know that both his contract status and the contract status of manager Brandon Hyde have not been exactly clear. What do we know about each guy's contract situation? We know they're together, the contracts, and we know that they've been extended. That's really all we know. Um, they would not give us any more specifics except to say that they're going to be around for a long time. Um, and neither seems very worried about the situation whatsoever. So it is our belief that they've been extended. How long those extensions are, I don't know. Wish I knew. Um, they're, it's like the uh, you know, crazy war secret there. They refuse to – no one refuses to talk about it. I'm not even sure how many people really even know about the actual status. But Elias was pretty specific that Hyde's going to be around for a while – and Angelo, John Angelos was pretty specific that Elias and Hyde were going to be around for a while. So um, it is our belief they've already signed extensions. We just don't know the specifics. Why are the O's so secretive about the contract situations of Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde? What is the competitive advantage that is gained by doing that? I mean, I guess I guess if you're looking at competitive advantage, you're talking about like finances. Maybe somebody wants to come in and, and trump that or whatever and, and give them a president job. I, I, I don't know. It's the way the world often operates. Um, they keep everything, even some of the most, uh, you know, minutia uh, behind a, a, a guarded cage. It's just the way they've done things. It's the way the Angelos family has done things specifically, the way John Angelos has, has done things. Um Mike is very secretive as well. Mike, you know, keeps things very close to the vest. Um, I think there was a perception that before Mike got here, um, there was it was a I was told at one point a wild wild west where information was being leaked out all the time, um, and so they've really tried to close it down. I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> it's it's their prerogative, I suppose, but it does seem silly at times. It's a funny deal with the O's. Mike Elias has done an outstanding job of that, there is no doubt. And yet, a good number of the team's good players were acquired by the team when Dan Duquette was its executive vice president of baseball operations. Uh, Starting pitchers Grayson Rodriguez and John Means, outfielders Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes, outfielder slash first baseman Anthony Santander, first baseman Ryan Mountcastle, all were acquired with Dan running 
baseball operations. The era of Dan Duquette and manager Buck Showalter did not end well, uh, and it ended up that the two didn't get along. But now that we are five years removed from the end of Buck and Dan running things for the O's, what is the right way of viewing the era of Buck and Dan with the O's? I mean, they were very successful. And, and they did not see eye, eye to eye. They were two completely different personalities um, and had two different styles in, in, you know, kind of putting it together. But in their own little vacuum, in their own little, you know, cubicle, they were very, very good at what they did. And Dan Duquette does not get that kind of credit. But what, what people don't understand is, is one of the things that is incredibly different about Elias's situation versus Duquette's situation is that Elias has kind of built certain things. And some of those things, maybe Duquette wasn't like right on board with, but Duquette would have liked, uh, you know, he kind of, the analytics department kind of started under him. He would have liked a much better analytics department. The money wasn't there for it. He could not go into the international market. I mean, literally, except for guys who were already professionals in, in leagues like, you know, Korea or, or Japan, he, he couldn't go for the Dominican guys and the Venezuelan guys. stuff. He didn't have the money for it. And when Mike Elias took over, that was one of the biggest things that he said is that we have to open up the international market. And so, you know, Dan was handcuffed at some of those things. Um, but as far as talent evaluation is concerned, and Mike has been tremendous at it, but Dan Duquette, when we look back on it, was pretty good too. I mean, he found a lot of guys that teams weren't going after, you know, whether it was Nate McLeod, whether it was, uh, you know, some of the, uh, uh, I can't even remember his name anymore, but but the pitcher from Mexico that they got that uh, Gonzalez that was so good for them for a couple of years. You know, they really went through a, a lot of players under the Duquette uh, system. So you kind of maybe you forget about some guys here and there, but they did pretty good. I mean, you listed that that group off and that's a pretty good group. Um, some of the pitchers are on that group, the, the relievers and such like Bauman. Um, so, you know, <laughs> if you look at that, I, I feel like Duquette, did his job at bringing in talent. And then Buck was really good at managing that talent and keeping them together and having this, you know, us against the world, uh, you know, kind of, kind of mentality. And I think overall, you know, it was a successful team. I think you look at it as slightly disappointing, especially in 2014 and then how it ended so poorly in 2018. But I think you're going to look at this, like from a historical perspective, how I think you look at it and say, they did a, a pretty good job, and they were pretty good at what they did. I mean, Duquette's winning percentage was wonderful for the Orioles for the most part, and, and Buck got him to three playoffs. It is rare that the manager who takes a team through a rebuild stays on to bear the fruits of that rebuild. And yet, that is what we have with those manager, Brandon Hyde. It's a real credit to him. How and why has Hyde been able to do what so many other managers have not guided a team through a rebuild, but then remain as manager as the team busts out of the rebuild? Well, I think for me, there's that's a kind of a nuanced question. You, you got to start with the first part is, you know, he took over for the for the 19th season and they were terrible. And then 20, they had the pandemic, which they were actually OK with, um, you know, but they only played 60 games. And he had to, to negotiate all of that and all that disaster of the pandemic. And then 2021, they were terrible again. And so we all thought that 2022 would, would be the year for him. And if they weren't very good, which we thought they weren't going to be particularly good, then that would be the end. And then somebody else might pick up that, that you know, the rest of the rebuild, if you will. But they surprised everybody. They won 83 games. And at that point, 
you know, Brandon probably should have won. I mean, it was a 31-game turnaround as far as wins is concerned. At that point, I think everybody kind of expected him to win the manager of the year. He finished second. But then you don't fire that guy. I mean, you know, a guy who, who was part of that. So I think the rebuild was so bad, but then it turned so quickly that I think that really helped his managerial situation. And then Mike Elias swears, and so does Brandon Hyde, that when they got on together and when Mike hired him, he said to him, you're not just a placeholder here. I want you to see this through. Now, I'm sure all general managers tell managers that it doesn't <laughs> work out that way, right? Yeah. But, but that was the plan. And Brandon has brought a very – he's very competitive and yet very even keel. And that's kind of a difficult thing, I guess, to balance. I mean, like he's he's passionate and he gets after it during games and like, you know, he you know, he gets into it and we've seen him jaw with a pitcher on the other team, we've seen him jaw with the manager, we've seen him get into it with Chris Davis, you know, a few years ago, uh, in a dugout. So I mean he's very passionate, but then he doesn't get him too high or too low. He is incredibly even keel. You know, the fact that they have not been swept since last May, a year, you know, a year plus ago, May, is incredible. I mean, but, you know, they, they haven't lost more than four games in a row this season. It's just the way that he goes about it. And so when you take a young team into the playoffs, you know, one the one question is, how are they going to rebound if, if they get smoked, if they lose an, an important game or, a, you know, a close game? And it's that even-kill nature that he has that I think has brought them through this and will we'll help him in the playoffs. So I, I think that Mike did find the right guy, um, and maybe he felt like he was going to go to the playoffs with him but the rest of us thought it would be a placeholder because that's usually how it works. And Brandon has, uh, has beaten that. Yes, he has. Uh, final question. You know, this is such an interesting time to be an Orioles fan because you have the team's baseball operations being in such a great place with all of these good young players at the major league level and a stacked farm system and a front office that's big on analytics. But you also have an ownership situation that uh, most O's fans are not exactly in love with. That piece uh, that you wrote for Sports Knot in August regarding how the Orioles chairman, CEO, and managing partner John Angelos is running Masson was so good. But for years, I've been told something from people that I'm sure you've heard, that when Peter Angelos, who has been in failing health for years, passes away, the Angelos family will sell the O's. What do you believe to be true about the future of Orioles ownership? Well, I mean, the first thing that most people are most interested in is the Orioles aren't, aren't going anywhere. The Orioles are staying in Baltimore. Um, John Angelos has said that repeatedly. And although I really don't take anything he says that comes out of his mouth as, as truth, um, <laughs> I, I, do, I do believe that that team is staying. Lots of reasons. Um, the $600 million uh, devoted by the state legislature for improvements um, – for Oriole Park Cameron Yards, uh, Major League Baseball is not going to let a you know one of its crown jewels be be shuttered. They'd have to vote for it. He's not going. There would never be. It's just not going to happen. So let's put that aside because that's the thing that most Baltimore fans, most Orioles fans, are most concerned about. You know, the lease will get signed. Um, it should have been signed six months ago. It should have been signed, you know, a week ago. Uh, you know, when they announced that there's, you know, that, that they've agreed to, to this memorandum of understanding, but kind of made it seem like a lease was signed and it hasn't been yet. All of this, but they're staying. And that's the most important thing. So as far as what the Angelus family is going to do when Peter passes um, is complicated because, you know, technically it is his wife's responsibility then. And, um, 
you know, she'll be the owner. They have a large percentage of it now, I think 70 some percent. So I wouldn't be surprised if they sell some of it. I, I do believe that, that John Angelos really likes his spot as a uh, leader in the city, a leader in Maryland. Um, and I think if they sell the, the club, I think that goes away. And I don't think he wants that to go away. He, he likes the, the pulpit that he has. Uh, he feels like he's making you know societal changes, etc. So I don't know if they I don't know if they sell to the point where they sell the majority away. I do think they probably sell some um, and still try to keep majority ownership if possible. So I don't know honestly. I don't think that the family knows. I have heard those rumors. Jeez, my, my one of my first stories in two thousand and one was to write about the rumors that the Angelos family was selling. And wow. that was 22 years ago or 20, yeah, almost 23 seasons ago. So I, I don't know. I, I stopped lo- losing sleep over whether the Angelos family was going to uh, keep owning it or not. But I do believe that, that John will want some type of leadership role with the team. And the easiest way to do that is to own it. Tremendous perspective on the O's, Orioles, and MLB writer Dan Connolly of SportsNot.com. Dan, thank you and all the best. You too. Thanks, thanks for having me. All right, and if you're looking for great deals on tickets to an Orioles playoff game or a Commanders game or a Maryland football game or a Capitals game or a Wizards game or whatever, make sure that you download the GameTime app and use the promo code ALGALDI. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about GameTime is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on GameTime looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. GameTime is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, Terms do apply, but download the GameTime app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi, for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
All right, time now to talk college football, week six. But before we get to Goldilocks, my college football previews and picks for Maryland Navy, Virginia Tech, and Virginia, we did have a game of note on Thursday night, Liberty. The Flames, uh, they improved to 5-0 and overall and 3-0 and in Conference USA with a 21-16 win over Sam Houston at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Thursday night, despite the Flames not scoring a single point in the second half. But so far, so good for Liberty in its first season with Jamie Chadwell as head coach. Next up for Liberty, a game this Tuesday night, October 10th, Liberty at Jacksonville State at 7.30. All right, now to Goldilocks. Uh, You have heard shortly of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Well, this is Goldilocks, and it is brought to us by Crab Sports. Crab Sports is Maryland's number one sports book. You can visit crabsports.com or download the new Crab Sports app, which is available in both the App Store and Google Play. Uh, Crab Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. In fact, if you go to crabsports.com or are on the Crab Sports app between 5 p.m. Eastern Friday to 11 a.m. Eastern Saturday, you will see my Goldilocks picks in the boosted odds section. Yes, you get boosted odds with the Goldilocks selections, making it easier for you to make money money. (laughs) And know this, join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI, and Crab Sports will match your new customer first bet up to $250. So, CrabSports.com or the Crab Sports app, promo code GALDI. Crab Sports is partnering with local hero brands and businesses to bring the best localized betting experience to Maryland. Crab Sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 years of age or older. Uh, Goldilocks, over the last three weeks, a sparkling 7-3. and three. Uh, Virginia is home to William and Mary Saturday at noon. William and Mary is an FCS school. Uh, betting lines for games involving FBS teams versus FCS teams don't usually come out until Friday, so I unfortunately will not be picking this game. But what a spot for the Cavaliers. They are 0-5. They are coming off a 27-24 loss at lowly Boston College last Saturday afternoon in a game in which the Cavs blew a 14-0 second quarter lead and a 21-7 halftime lead. And William & Mary is not just an FCS team. It is an FCS team with Mike London as its head coach. Uh, Mike London was UVA's head coach from December 2009 to November 2015. If the Wahoos lose this game, uh, they may go winless this season. All right, we on Saturday have both Maryland and Virginia Tech playing road games against top five teams. And we have Maryland, Virginia Tech, and Navy all facing top 20 quarterbacks in the FBS in terms of ESPN's total QBR. Goldilocks, game number one, Maryland at number four, Ohio State, Saturday at noon. The Terrapins per Crab Sports, plus 19 and a half. The Terps improved to 5-0 overall and 2-0 in the Big Ten with a 44-17 win over Indiana at CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland last Saturday. Maryland is off to a 5-0 start to a season for the first time since 2001, which was Ralph Regan's first season as Terps head coach. Also, Maryland now has scored at least 30 points in each of its first five games of a season for the first time in program history. 
Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes, of course, are a machine. Uh, they are 4-0 overall and 1-0 in the Big Ten and are rested. Uh, their last game was a 17-14 win at then number 9 Notre Dame on September 23rd. Maryland at Ohio State, a battle of two of the best quarterbacks in the FBS. The Terps, Talia Tungavailoa for this season through Week 5, was number 26 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS and ESPN's total QBR at 76. QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. The Buckeyes, Kyle McCord for this season through Week 5, was number 6 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS. Yes, in total QBR at 87.7. This is such a big game for the Terps, not just in terms of this season, but in the bigger picture of Mike Loxley as Terps head coach. The Terps so often in their tenure in the Big Ten have gotten smashed by ranked Big Ten teams. I mean, the Terps in the 2021 season in games against ranked Big Ten teams went 0-4 and got outscored by a combined score of 216-70. But last season's game, against Ohio State was perhaps a step forward. November 19th, 2022, the Terps suffered a, shall we say, respectable 43-30 home loss to then number two, Ohio State. Maryland for this game was a 26 and a half point underdog per multiple shops, but the Terps led at the half 13-10, uh, although they had lost the second half 33-17, including losing the third quarter 17-0. Uh, the Terps this season are 5-0, and but have not played a difficult schedule. Things pick up big time with this game at the Buckeyes on Saturday at noon. This is season number five for Mike Loxley as Terps head coach, not counting his run as Terps interim head coach in 2015. At some point, Maryland needs to pull off a win in one of these big games against ranked Big Ten teams. Is Saturday the day? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but I do like the Turtles plus the points. Give me Maryland plus 19 and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Thank you, Snoop Dogg. Goldilocks game number two, Virginia Tech at number five, Florida State, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The Hokies for Crab Sports plus 23 and a half. Tech improved to two and three overall and one and oh in the ACC with a 38-21 win over Pitt at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia last Saturday night. Uh, the win snapped a nine-game losing streak for the Hokies against Power 5 conference teams, and the Hokies' offense was quite good. Now, uh, Pitt is not good, but Tech's offense looked like a big boy offense. And leading the way for that Tech offense was Kyron Drones. The Hokies went with Baylor transfer Kyron Drones as a team starting quarterback for a third consecutive game. As the Hokies QB1, Grant Wells has been dealing with an ankle injury, although you do wonder if he is still the Hokies QB1. But Drones on Saturday night accounted for five touchdowns, three touchdown passes and two touchdown runs, no interceptions, did have a lost fumble that was returned for a touchdown, but he averaged a whopping 12 yards per pass attempt. Also in this win over Pitt, a terrific game for Hokies running back and North Carolina A&T transfer, Bashal Tootin. Uh, he had 24 carries for 109 yards and had four receptions for 37 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it was Kyron Drones and not Grant Wells who got first team practice reps at Hokies practice on Wednesday as Wells still did not appear to be 100%. Also at Wednesday's practice was safety Nasir Peoples appearing 
to be a full go at practice, although he did not appear to be 100%. But people's coming back would be big. He has missed the Hokies' last four games due to injury. The Florida State Seminoles are 4-0 overall and 2-0 in the ACC. And they, like Ohio State, are rested. Uh, the Knowles' last game was a 31-24 overtime win at Clemson on September 23rd. FSU's Jordan Travis for this season through Week 5 was number 10 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in total QBR at 86. What worries you from a Hokies perspective is that Florida State is rested and that Tech just is not that good. But perhaps the Hokies found something offensively in the win over Pitt. And know this about FSU, its last two wins are one-score wins, including a 31-29 win at Boston College on September 16th. Give me Virginia Tech plus 23 and a half. And Goldilocks game number three, Navy, home to North Texas Saturday afternoon at 3.30. The midshipmen for Crab Sports, minus five and a half. The line for this game makes no sense. Navy fell to 1-3 and three overall and 0-2 in the American Athletic Conference with a 44-30 loss to South Florida at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland last Saturday. The Mids blew a 14-0 first quarter lead as they got outscored the rest of the game 44-16. Then you have North Texas. The Mean Green, uh, which is 2-2 overall, has yet to play an AAC game, but has won two straight off an 0-2 start and has a very good quarterback. North Texas's Chandler Rogers for this season through week five. It was number 17 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in total QBR at 80.5. And yet, Navy is favored by five and a half points. The public, not surprisingly, is pounding North Texas. Vegas is begging you to take North Texas. Vegas so wants you to take North Texas. And you know what you do when Vegas wants you to do something. When there is a line like this that screams going one way, you go the opposite way. You do the exact opposite. Don't do what Vegas wants you to do. Vegas knows what it's doing. There's a reason that there are all of those big shiny buildings in Las Vegas. This makes no sense, but that's the point. Give me Navy minus five and a half. Make money, money, make money, money, money. All right. So your Goldilocks for college football week six, Maryland plus 19 and a half, Virginia Tech plus 23 and a half, Navy minus five and a half. And don't forget, join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI, and Crab Sports will match your new customer first bet up to $250. Go to crabsports.com or download the Crab Sports app and use the promo code GALDI. And that will do it. For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 673. We'll have a lot for you on the commanders of them falling to two and three with the awful 
40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football. Also on Monday's show, we'll talk Orioles. Game one of their best-of-five American League Division Series against the Texas Rangers is at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday afternoon at 103. Game two is at Camden Yards on Sunday afternoon at 4.07. And on Monday's show, we'll talk college football week six, which includes Maryland at number four, Ohio State, Saturday at noon, Virginia Tech. At number five, Florida State, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Navy, home to North Texas, Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Virginia, home to William & Mary, Saturday at noon. And Old Dominion at Southern Miss, Saturday night at 7. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. You know, the culture is actually damn good. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.